Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Guy Jeans. And I want to thank everybody out there listening to the podcast. You know, it's growing and growing. And I never thought it would grow this big, but it's growing and it's awesome. And I'm enjoying every minute of it. Learning from all kinds of people. You guys get a chance, go to the Guy Jeans Podcast on Instagram. And also go to the guyjeanspodcast.com. And you can check out all the latest uh, episodes on there. Today's guest is Bart Hall. And Bart is a friend of mine. He's been running the Bart Hall shows for many, many years. Um, the Hall shows have been going on, well, this will be their 75th year, which is pretty incredible. And they host the and promote the biggest uh, outdoor sports shows on the West Coast. And this year, they're doing a boat show in Pomona, which is January 20th through the 22nd, 2023. And then they're doing the Bart Hall show down at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. February 16th through the 19th, 2023. And the granddaddy of them all, the Bart Hall Show in Long Beach is March 29th through April 2nd. And I will be at the uh, Del Mar Show as well as the Long Beach Show. And I'll have a booth there. So come by and say hi for sure. But without further ado, let's bring on Bart. Mr. Bart Hall, how are you? Good, guy. Good to hear your voice. Nice to hear yours. How's everything been going? Um, good, really good. We're busy, but much, much too busy for an old man, but I, I'm really enjoying it. This has been a, a great revival. Has it? You're, yeah. All the people that you, you must have to talk to must be incredible. All the, all the vendors and everything. That's a, that's a big job. Well, you know, when I started this project, um, uh, quite some time ago now, and we had some legal issues where we couldn't really talk about what we were doing until the middle of the year. And it takes well over a year to do what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but, but I could work behind the scenes and I did early on. And I, I, I actually booked three show dates, not just the show dates for Long Beach and Del Mar that people are familiar with, but I, I booked another date, uh, earlier, earlier in the year for uh, a boat show thinking nice. at the time, this is crazy to do a boat show because, the boat dealers are selling every boat they can possibly get, and the manufacturers can't supply the pipeline. And everyone told me I'm nuts. But as it turned out, in the intervening time, uh, circumstances have changed. And there's lots of inventory, and the boat dealers are anxious to go to shows and show their product. So not only did we fill up that boat show in about three weeks, but we've uh, filled up most of Long Beach and Del Mar with our available boat space as well. So. That has been something I did not expect to have happen. Nice. Uh, very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. You know, the the boat show, is that that's your first time doing that, I think, isn't it? It, it is the first time yeah. that I've done just a straight boat show. Yeah, this was at the Fairflex of Pomona, January 20th to the 22nd. Uh, it's a three-day event. Uh, it's going to be really nice. We're taking all the building four, five, and part of six, and, it's going to be really a fun thing. We have all the major dealers in Southern California at that show. So if you're, if it floats, we got it. So 
we're looking, we're looking forward to that. But, but the, the good news from that is that a, a bunch of dealers that hadn't traditionally participated in Long Beach or Del Mar are now part of our uh, stable of boat dealers. So we're going to have more boats at the shows than we've ever had. It's going to be really quite spectacular. Well, when these, these dealers bring their boats down there, are they offering special deals and sales and that sort of thing with all these boats? Or are they just showing them? What's going on? Well, of course, it, it doesn't matter what they think they're going to do. <laughs> when, they get, when they get there and they're surrounded by every other boat dealer that they know, and the consumer has the ability to uh, simply walk around and see them all in a right. couple of hours instead of a couple of weeks, but they'd have to do, you know, uh-huh. it, it changes things. And, and uh-huh. yes, lots of deals are made. Uh-huh. You get the best deals at the boat shows. Some wheeling and dealing going on for sure. Yeah, oh. There is, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the history of the Bart Hall show. Um, and are you able, are you able to talk about anything now or you, can you, you still have to hold off a little bit on that? No, I, I'm pretty much in, you know, I, I want to, I want to go forward and talk about the future, but I want to tell yeah. you all about the past because the yeah. past is really fascinating. Yes. Uh, my dad, uh, because uh, he played four sports in college. And so when, when the Second World War came up, he had gotten hurt, uh, and, and he wasn't able to. Uh, one of his injuries kept him from being active, but he was a he taught uh, theory of flight for uh, the Army Air Corps. That was his job. And then when he got out, he got out early. So he's at like forty four. He came back to L.A. and he started working for a company called Crowd Management Incorporated, and they provided ushers, ticket sellers, and gatemen to all of the sporting events in Southern California, all the baseball teams, football teams, wrestling, uh, the, the fights, all of the racetracks, all of that stuff. And so uh, he, but he grew up in Florida on the beaches of Florida as a fisherman, as a kid, running along the, the sand and, and hitting Pompano up on the sand and throwing him in his wagon with salt water and throwing a, a line off a, off a can off the pier to catch a, uh, grouper to take the little Joe's fish market, that kind of thing. So my dad was really a waterman and he really loved the ocean. He really loved the fish and he liked freshwater fishing probably more than he liked even saltwater fishing. And he, uh, came out. So he says to his boss, he goes, look at, we're doing all these sporting events for all these people. We got nothing for sportsmen. Why don't we do a sportsman show? And it, the famous reply was from his boss, Mel Morrison, who ended up being my godfather. Is what the hell's a sportsman show? <laughs> so that was it. And then 1945, I was born. And in 1946, in April, the first show started at Gilmore Stadium, which is where CBS is now. Uh-huh. And it was an oval dirt track. They had those big poles up for lights at night. And my dad decided that he didn't like the dirt track, so he, he got a bunch of sawdust and dyed it green and threw it over the dirt. It looked really great until it rained, and the <laughs> dye came out and got everybody talking to you. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's classic. So they, they did that for a couple of years. Then they moved across to the Pan Pacific Auditorium, which is a historical landmark now. We were there for about 10 years. Then uh, Mel, my godfather, died, uh, and the other partner with my dad, they didn't see eye to eye. So that guy went and did a show at the, Anaheim Convention Center, and my dad went to the Great Western Exhibit Center, did a show for many years, and then uh, 
did uh, uh, one year at the uh, LA, uh, LA Sports Arena, and then from there moved to the Long Beach Convention Center. About the same time, opened the show down in San Diego at uh, Golden Hall, and then moved out to the Del Mar Fairgrounds. And for the last half century, we've been doing Long Beach and Del Mar every year, and every year it's gotten bigger and stronger. And, mm-hmm. you know, and by the time we get to 2020, um, Long Beach was officially uh, the largest consumer sport fishing show on the planet. Wow, that's incredible. You know, the the Long Beach show is mind-boggling, and I got to tell you a little something about that, because I I exhibit there as well. But if it wasn't for the Long Beach show, and I don't don't think I've ever told you this, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I, you know, 20 years uh, ago, over 20 years ago, I met a guy there that was doing a uh, fly fishing um, guide, you know, uh, guide school. And, uh-huh. and, uh, and I decided that, uh, I would, I would do it, you know, and it was kind of, I was in that, you know, kind of a state of like, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> and, um, so I did that and that kind of gave me the motivation and the, and the courage to uh, start my own fly shop and guide service in school. And, uh, it was all because of the, the show, the, the show, the Fred Hall show. And, um, you know, it's kind of cool. I didn't. I don't think I ever told you that before. No, you haven't. And, yeah. and uh, that's a great story. And yeah. if you, you know, I've heard that story a couple of times from from people I really like. Yeah. But, you know, I I know a little bit about you too. And you know, you're a very creative person. Uh, you know, you you're a musician, and you you're uh, so that all helps to be to be able to do what you do. I mean, you're very good at it. I mean, you're good with people. You express yourself well. And, uh, thank it, you. It was a natural thing for you to do. I'm glad you did. Thank you. And, you know, and because of that, Bart, I have taught thousands of people how to fly fish. You know, just it's, it's incredible how it just kind of your guys' show has, you know, done that for so many people, you know, got uh, so many people into the outdoors and um, fishing for, for sure. You know, and I, I, I appreciate the show. I, I love doing the show. I love being there. I love seeing all the people, thousands of people come through um, all the the booths. I mean, so it, sometimes it takes uh, over over two days <laughs> to go through everything, you know. And uh, I can't even imagine how much work that is to get all those those vendors and talk to all those vendors and get them all organized and everything. It must be incredible. Does it take all year to do that? Well, it takes at least a year, and unfortunately, we didn't get started this year until uh, middle of the year. We couldn't legally, but we, yeah. and so there were some lawsuits going on and stuff uh, with my former partner. Yeah, and that that's one of the reasons why now it's now the Bard Hall show instead yeah. of what it used to be. But um, we're you know it, 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 it's going to take a couple of years to get back to where it was. Sure. There's no doubt about that. A yeah. lot of pe- people. People today, I'm, I work all day, every day, reaching out to people, letting them know what's going on. And I hear people all these really? I didn't know. I didn't hear. Well, you know, it's very frustrating to me when I hear that because I'm doing everything I can to let people know. But, but yeah. pretty soon, our, our ad campaign is going to start kicking up crazily. Mm-hmm. And, and then that will soon take care of itself. And I think when, when people realize that the whole family shows are, are back, they'll they'll be very anxious to come. I, I'm very excited about the Del Mar show, which is always 
quite frankly, lived in the shadow of the Long Beach show because Long Beach was so special. But uh, this year, Del Mar is first, February 16th and 19th. Yep. And that's going to make a big difference because it'll be the first Hall family show in San Diego in four years because they canceled 2020 because of COVID. Okay. And then first Hall family show in California in three years and the first fishing show in Southern California in 2023. So nice. we believe that Del Mar is going to be off the charts. You know, people are going to flock to it. So we got we got so much stuff going on there. You know, the boats and the tackle and the seminars and the, and we got the Overland stuff and we got we're going to have some RVs and it's going to be quite quite the event. The Overland is new, right? Is that the that's kind of a new thing that you guys have at the sh- at the show? Is the Overland? Yeah, we're trying stuff. we're trying to develop that. Now, now yeah. it's in its infancy, and I don't want you to think that you're going to come here and this is going to be the Overland show. That's not. They're going to, we yeah. have we have a few companies, but cool. it's a category that I that was in 2019 in Delmar, mm-hmm. and it was very very popular. We only had one exhibitor, but but it was very popular. So yeah. we're trying to expand that category, and we're having some success. And we'll see how it goes. You know, we're still we're still a ways away. And typically, this is hard to believe, but typically, if forty to fifty percent of our exhibitors come in the last thirty days. <laughs> oh, okay. Crazy. It's just oh crazy. my god, mind boggling. Trying to organize <laughs> all that, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. What yeah. kind of what kind of uh, seminars are you guys going to have there? Well, we're going to have Guy Jeans doing seminars <laughs> on the Bass Seminar Stage. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking yeah, forward got, to that. We've got a bunch of uh, different kinds of trout fishing there, some fly fishing, some conventional fishing over there. We're going to have uh, Daiwa is sponsoring the uh, near shore uh, saltwater stage where we're going to talk about you know catching fish uh, in the near shore. And then Accurate does our main seminar stage where our big name seminar speakers are. Akuma will have the bass tank. And the boat shows, and we're going to be uh, doing that. And then uh, uh, Hobie still uh, is doing the kayak fishing the seminars out of uh, the Hobie kayak area. So, you know, between the two shows, we'll do, I don't know, in 2020, we did 600 seminars. That's insane. I, I, <laughs> That's I don't insane. think we'll get this, uh, I, I, you know, because we're, we're started so late, but we'll have several hundred seminars between those two shows. And I hope we get the cover every topic uh, people can write to us at, uh, at you know hallshows.com or um or info at hallshows.com and uh, let us know what they want to see and hear and we'll we will try to get seminar speakers to talk about that i don't care if there's five people at the seminar if those five people are really interested in what that guy has to say yeah so that's that's what we do and that, is that it um it, if you go to hallshows.com yeah, that's our that's our our website is hallshows.com. Okay. And if you want to contact us, it's info at hallshows.com. Okay. So if anybody wants to get any special information, they can go there. Or if they want to recommend different seminars or who they want to see, that sort of thing, they can go there. That's awesome. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, 
Have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What else, uh, what else I wanted to talk to you about was, um, which a lot of people don't know, and I found out from you just talking about music and whatnot, is that you uh, were a jazz musician. And um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about that and, and your history with jazz. Well, I, I think I still am a jazz musician. I just don't oh, okay. play. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? It, it, that all just happened to me very naturally, Guy. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I did study piano. I did play piano. My mother made me take piano lessons because she played, and I was pretty good at it, you know. But I, I had no intention of being a musician. I was an athlete. I played four sports a year in high school. You know, mm-hmm. I ended up uh, becoming a Division One football player. Oh. But through all of that, from the age of about eight years old, my dad had got me a snare drum and a bass drum. And I, I just started screwing around. And I liked listening to this jazz big band music that he had. And I just kind of went from there. And he, all the time I was in high school playing sports and stuff, I would get calls from guys to say, Hey, let's go do this. And I'd go play different places and never, never seriously, never took any lessons as a drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, one time I went down, I was already working a lot in, in Hollywood. And I said, maybe I should have some lessons. So I went to the best teacher in town. He kicked me out after 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> so, and so I, I just got a scholarship at the university of New Mexico, but I brought my drums with me and I had them in my room, just screwing around playing, you know, and, some guy sticks his head and says, you sound really good. They're all thanks. Because we got this gig down here three nights a week, and, and uh, we don't have a drummer. I said, well, well I, I'm on a scholarship playing football or going to school. I don't know. Oh, come on. So I would I would go to school, go to football practice, and then go play at this club. Uh, it was probably the wrong thing to do. But <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm playing more with different people, and I'm you know, I ended up playing with a lot of famous guys, and I got like four thousand hours in the studio and stuff like that. And, you wow. know, I just did a lot. I played a lot of different kinds of not just jazz. I played 
played a lot of. I was at that area when when fusion was happening when oh. we were playing, when when rock and jazz were merging, and so I got a lot of those calls. That those were the things that people wanted uh, from me, and I I did that and I played a lot of country and just love music. I just I think uh, you know it's hard. It was really hard for me to quit. I uh, it was, I walked over to my dad. Uh, he lived next door to me, and, and at the time I was working. Uh, seven nights a week at Disneyland as in their house band. And I walked over in the morning. I said, Dad, I just retired as a musician. What? Really? Yeah, I decided to quit. Well, I couldn't listen to music for two years. I, I couldn't. You're burnt. It, it would It would just pull me back in. You know. So yeah. I just had to stop listening. I couldn't. Uh, I knew that if I started listening, I'd go back to playing. And I got called for years. Hey, I got this gig. I'm I retired. You haven't retired. Yeah, <laughs> I've retired. <laughs> So anyway, that's my story. So did you play? You well, played, Did you play at Disneyland as the house band? Did you play on that stage that went down into the ground? Absolutely. Yeah, I I played at. Uh, that's funny. I uh, I played um, like uh, a couple years where uh, my band played for the grad nights there. You know, uh-huh. and we would. It was so weird because that stage dropped down underneath the underneath Disneyland, and then you put all your stuff on, and then it comes up <laughs> from the ground. Well, people don't. People don't realize that all those puddles are underneath Disneyland. Yeah. But they never think about it. You never see trucks driving around delivering stuff. They yeah. do it underground and they come up in an elevator. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea until I played there. I'm like, no way. So, like, you know, uh, Donald Duck could pop up on one side of the the park just by going underneath the, the whole city there. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I still love this story. I, I worked there for six months. Well, the guy is a sub for the guy who was, he was touring with somebody else. And uh, so they, they hired me as a sub and I, I'm, I'm playing there. And I got this full big permed hair. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a hippie from the, you know? <laughs> and so, I, so all of a sudden, but in the, those days they didn't like that. So you had to be clean shaven uh, to, oh. to work at Disneyland. They have a mustache, but you had to be clean shaven. Mm. So, uh, so finally this guy quits and they give me the job full time. So, I walk in. Hi, how are you? And I start walking. Guy goes, "You gotta get your hair cut. You gotta get your beard off." What are you talking about? I've been working here for six months. Doesn't work that way. You're now a full time employee. So I had to go to their barber. He cut off my beard, and I left a big mustache. The guy says, "Nope, gotta get more of that mustache off." I went over. Oh my gosh! How funny! Yeah, that was really good. Fun. Great. That gig good was band. Oh, was it? What, what yeah. was it? Uh, was it a, that was a good gig? Was it a jazz band type thing that you guys were doing, or were you doing all like cover type stuff? Pardon me. What were you guys playing? Uh, we were playing. We were just like a cover band, you know. We were playing yeah. uh, uh, a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire in those days. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, we had four horns, and uh, Tom Rainier was the piano player, and, and Tom was the guy who was. Uh, the original piano player on Dancing with the, the original Dancing with the Stars, okay. fat face guy, and then uh, we we just had a really really good group. Uh, you know, we we, we uh, a lot of you could send subs, you know. So if you got a jazz gig in town, you just sent your sub to Disneyland. You went working with whoever was in town. I and I worked with a lot of people. I I started my jazz career really as. Uh, a club in town called the Manhole, Shelley's Manhole. It was like a famous club, sort of like the Blue Note in New York. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, I was Shelley's first call sub, and he liked to go to the 
quarter. He didn't like to work the first few sets. So I ended up playing the first few sets that I played with Miles and, and Coltrane and, and Bill Evans. Yeah, George, we're just opposite all these guys. And so I remember I'm, I'm sitting back there in the back. There's really no room in there. And I'm kind of huddling in the back. And Shelly comes in. Bart, come here. I want you to meet Miles Davis. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's incredible. Hello, Mr. Davis. And he goes, and his grassy voice, it sounds good, kid. Oh, <laughs> oh, nice. You got to play with Miles Davis. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a fun time. I thank you for asking me about it. Oh, man. That's some really cool stuff. You know, the uh, going back to that uh, that Disneyland gig, you know, um, we didn't start playing, you know, because it was a You quick... know, Guy, right now the, this is breaking up, and I can't hear you. Okay, well, stand by. So, yeah, um, that I wanted to go back to that gig at uh, Disneyland. Um, we didn't start playing because it was a grad night. We didn't start playing until, like, 1 in the morning. Sometimes we didn't start till 2 in the morning because all the kids are staying up all night there, you know. And that was brutal, you know, uh, playing that late. I know, you know, musicians – you know, they stay up late, and I, I did that whole lifestyle. But, man, I, I really like those early gigs. <laughs> now, <laughs> just, oh, my God. I, it's unbelievable, you know, the how, how you can't really do it too much anymore, you know. And I, I, was, I was playing quite a bit, too, kind of like you all, all the time, and then had to start doing something else. That's uh, that's good stuff to hear about. I love hearing about that. I can't. We, we, we worked those grad nights too, and yes, yeah, they were killers, man. Oh, did <laughs> you really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were I killers. Can't, I can't believe um, you played with all those jazz musicians. That's some history stuff going on there, man. That's really cool. That's really cool. So yeah, you know, I didn't plan. I didn't plan it, guy. It just, yeah. it just happened, you know. And the, and and I, it's not like I had a lot of chops. I mean, I I didn't. I, I am not a, I'm a proficient. Uh, drummer like uh, most of the guys who who competed for those jobs were much better play individual drummers than me. But the thing that I did, I could hear. I could hear music. I yeah. I make the people I play with feel better and sound better. So you know, that's why I got the work. Well, tell me about your um, your football career. I had no idea about that either. You got a scholarship and and all that. Well, I was a pretty good football player, and I and I ended up getting like forty scholarships out of high school. Really? But one of the one of the scholarships was an appointment to Annapolis, and I was a patriotic young man, and I thought that being a naval officer would be a great idea. This was about the time of the Vietnam War, you know, and so I thought, well, I think I'll go go in that direction, and so I. Uh, I said, yes. And, uh, so the, in those days, what they did is they sent you to a prep school or a junior college to play for one year and get on a weight program. Mm-hmm. And then you would come to your plebe class. You would not play your freshman year and you'd play the last three. And so, but you'd work out and get stronger and learn the program and all that. So I don't know what they do now, but that's what they did. Then. So I went to the junior college and, um, and after, and they had me in all these math classes. Well, when when I took the SAT, it was in two parts. There was 800 points for the verbal and 800 points for the math. I got a perfect 800 in the verbal. I've never met anybody who did that before. And I only got two, 250 in the math. So, so after a year of these classes, I said, guys, I don't think I'm cut out to be a naval engineer as much as I want to do it. 
So then it's hard to transfer to another school after one year. So I, I played there and I was an honorable mention uh, All-American and then got more scholarships out of junior college and then ended up going to play at the University of New Mexico and then got a bunch of uh, offers to play pro ball. But in my final year, I got hurt. So that those pro offers then went away. Oh, man. And what position yeah. did you play? You'd never guess looking at me. I was a wide receiver. And when I first started in junior college, I went both ways. I was a safety and I was a wide receiver. So I'm 6'4", very fast, but I could catch anything. But then as I got hurt, I wasn't so fast. And so then that was the end of that. What did you, what did you hurt? Uh, my ankle. I, I hit, hurt it repeatedly. Uh, that was I had three, three, the same injury three times in a year. Uh, brutal. And I got to New Mexico. They said, you can't play defense. You're only going to play offense. You know, we're not going to go both ways. And I went, ah, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad. I mean, I, my life turned out great. Yeah, um, I, I I got to play more music because of that. And then uh, I would go to my dad and say, "Dad, I need a job." And he goes, "Hey, I, I can't afford to, I can't afford to hire anybody now. This is a long time ago." Yeah. <laughs> he said, but then, then six years later, he goes, "Son, I need your help." So I go, "Okay, Dad. Yep." Yeah, by that time, I'm looking for a rep group. They want to make me a partner, and this was. 40 some years ago and went at that time I was going to make a couple hundred grand or more a year, which is a lot of money. For yeah, it is. Ago. And I said, a dad, well, good. What, what could you pay me a year? And he went, I can pay you 60 grand. And it was a long silence. <laughs> and he said, yeah. he said, you're not going to get rich doing this son, but you're going to have a great lifestyle. <laughs> and you know, I never forgot those words because he was so right. The uh, people I've met, the influence we've had on outdoor recreation, and the, and the part we are of the fishing community, it, it, it could not be more rewarding. To me, it's every bit as rewarding as the music uh, life I had. I, I love what I do. I love it. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the things I, you know, for, for me, um, I love your shows for you know as a business because i love targeting people that have never fly fished before and it's just it's it's so fun for me because uh so many people come up and say hey um you know i've always wanted to learn how to fly fish and you know well you're you've come to the right place you know and it's just it's just puts your shows puts you in front of so many people that would normally not have ever met you and uh it's it's a great way to to meet people but also pick up business um, you know, some of the, some of the people that I've met at your guy, at your shows have become some of my best friends. That's another one, another something that you probably didn't know, <laughs> which is pretty cool, you know, and you meet so many awesome people, um, from other organizations and, you know, I, I can't even imagine what's going to be like for these shows coming up because I've got this podcast now and I'm going to go, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> you know, so I'm looking forward to that. So, you know. You said the right thing, though. You said you said you've come to the right place. And a uh, guy, I I get the I'm older, so I've seen a lot. Uh, I get a chance to to see lots of different people. I can't imagine a better ambassador for fly fishing than you. Oh, thanks, you, man. No, it's not just you know. It's, I'm just that's the truth. I'm just telling you that that's what I see. There's a lot of good people out there. I got a lot of friends in the fly fishing industry. Uh, you, you're simply, you were built for this. You were made for this. You're perfect. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate yeah. that. 
So one one last thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about, and it goes back to music. But you know, at the end of my podcast, I always ask somebody, you know, uh, what they've been listening to music wise, and it and there is no rules. I just want to find out, you know, if there's some music out there that that I haven't heard or my listeners haven't heard before. And man, have I discovered some great groups by just talking to people and and what they're listening to. Um, it could be old stuff. It could be new stuff. Um, is there anything that you're that you're digging right now? Well, I, I know of someone that I, I think most people don't know about that I, I think yeah. is pretty cool. That's Gretchen Parlato. Okay. And you look her up, uh, pretty cool young jazz artist. And her history is interesting. Her father is Dave Parlato, uh, who was not only best man at my wedding, but he was also a big-time studio bass player, a trumpet player first and then a bass player. And his father was one of the singers that was in the quartet that was on the uh, Texaco thing for one of those big shows on Milton Burrow or, or something back in the okay. 50s. A whole musical family. And Gretchen is not very well known and really, really good. Gretchen Parlato? Gretchen Parlato. Okay. Oh. I'm writing that down just so I can check it out. And can you find her on like Spotify and stuff like that? Yeah. And, and the other the other one that I, I would look up, I mean, I mean, I, I you know, I played with Dick Korea. And I played with no a way. lot of things. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. God. I recorded with Oh, my I recorded God. With no way. But, but my favorite piano player is Tom Rainier. Okay. Uh, you look up Tom Rainier. He okay. is awesome okay tom rainier tom rainier yeah. okay and then and that, is that somebody that you've played with too uh i can't hear you anymore oh, sorry I, I said is that somebody that you've been playing with tom rainier it, it, it's breaking up again i'm so sorry guys okay hold, hold stand by i hope you can hear me yeah i can hear you fine no problem hold on real quick okay okay so one yeah. last one one last uh pr- let me tell you i'll tell you this Chickaria used to, you know, he'd get gigs out here. He didn't want to bring all these guys out. He'd come out here and play with me and Jamie Fox with a bass player. We'd do a trio together, and then we'd do these small gigs, you know, and then I did a couple recordings with him, and then there you go. That's awesome. Well, one last uh, one last plug for the uh, the show. You want to go ahead and give those dates? Yeah, well, the uh, the Bard Hall Boat Show. That small Bard Hall, big boat show. <laughs> is going to be at the <laughs> Pomona Fairgrounds at the Fairplex, January 20th to the 22nd. Uh, we open at noon on uh, Friday and it'll close at 7. We open at 10 on Saturday and close at 7. And we open at 10 on Sunday and close at 5. It's going to be an excellent boat show. Then we move on to the Bart Hall Show at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, February 16th to the 19th. And it's going to be San Diego's biggest fishing show, biggest boat show, biggest outdoor recreation event of the year. We're so excited for that show. And then we're going to move to what some people call the granddaddy of them all, the Bart Hall Show at the Long Beach Convention Center. And it's later this year. It's March 29th to April 2nd. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, uh, many of the major retailers uh, really are on our side. Mm-hmm. So I'm making, so it's, it's very, very, very exciting. Well, I will be there. 
Hey, Bart. You will. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on my show. It's always a pleasure. I've learned so much more about you. We got so much more to talk about when I see you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So thanks so much. And uh, I'll see you in probably San Diego first. Yeah, I guess it will be. Yeah, I'll I'll see you in San Diego, bud. Oh, yeah. By the way, you sound real good. Oh, man. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.